changing ways. You know, our feelings are temporary. And instead of being driven by them, we can very much allow them to flow through us in a way that's quite beautiful. Paranoia or pronoia? Do you feel everyone's out to get you or everyone wants to help you? Dr. Nick Egan is an award-winning executive and business coach focused on positive psychology. He's the author of The Shift, The Art of Transforming Life Limitations, next on Self Talk Radio Show. Brought to you by... Pure Energy Apothecary, people and planet-friendly skincare. Find them at Bed Bath & Beyond or online at pureenergybody.com. Welcome to Self Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer. My next guest is an award-winning executive and business coach who utilizes his deep understanding of positive psychology and Buddhist philosophy to encourage personal and organizational growth. Please welcome to the show Nick Egan. He is the author of a book I cannot wait to pick up called The Shift, Art of Transforming Limitations. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Sarah. It's great to be here. Oh, yeah. Now, it's kind of interesting. I feel like you've got the left brain and the right brain joined. You have a a PhD. Now, is your PhD in psychology? That's a BA in psychology, right? Yeah. So my undergrad, my my bachelor's degree is in psychology. And then I became a little bit disillusioned early on. And so I went, instead of continuing to get my master's and PhD in psychology, I, I decided to do a shift um, to, uh, philosophy actually. So it would be world religion slash philosophy. And my particular interest was in Buddhist philosophy. And so my PhD right. is technically Asian studies. You piqued my interest that you get disillusioned by psychology. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I can. I, I was a little bit late, or I guess I should say early. Um, when I was going through undergrad, there was definitely an emphasis, at least the program that I was in on counseling psychology and, and essentially healing people who had psychological wounds. Um, and I, I discovered early on that that really wasn't what I was most fascinated by. What I was most interested in is getting healthy people to the next level of having them flourish and lead a um, happy life, a meaningful life. And so I, I found that the emphasis wasn't quite there. And interestingly, the year I graduated, um, Martin Seligman, the founder of positive psychology, gave a big talk at the American Psychological Association, and he ushered in this new term, positive psychology, which is exactly what I hoped to be studying. Um, so I kind of came about in a roundabout way. Now, what's positive psychology? Yeah, positive psychology, it's the, it's the systematic or scientific study of what helps people um, thrive within their life. And there are lots of different elements of it. Um, I would say the, one of the most recent and popular things that come out of positive psychology, and one of Martin Seligman's students, Angela Duckworth, is this idea of grit. That, you know, grit is a better grit, meaning how, how often or how well you can stay with a task that's challenging um, over an extended period of time. And what, what they found is that that's a better indicator of success long term than even IQ. Um, and so there's a lot of and, and the good news is it can be taught, you know. Um, so that's generally what positive psychology is, the idea that people can get better within their lives. So it almost sounds like it's dancing with um, emotional intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. So emotional intelligence was definitely early on one of the cornerstones of positive psychology. Yeah, Danny Goleman, he did a great job making that a a very common, almost like a household term. So that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the problem I've had with psychology, you know, going to see a psychologist, it used to be in fashion, I think, in the 90s, you know, everybody had a therapist. Yeah. And 
my issue with it was what's the incentive to get me better? Because if I get better, then they don't get a paycheck. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. that, that was going in my mind. Now I'm, please don't feel I'm knocking psychotherapists because I do feel they do wonders for a lot of people, but mm. I just, I, I guess my issue was I couldn't get past that of, you know, if I get better then this person's going to lose their income. I, I always felt like I wanted to build everybody. I wanted it to be a win-win. And yeah. I didn't want to be defined by what my weaknesses were. I wanted to be defined by my superpowers and, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, most of the therapists that I know that are really good at what they do, they have, you know, a line out the door of clients waiting. So I think that many of them, their internal motivation is, is very pure and very positive. Um, but that being said, it does seem to take, it can take years, you know, whereas, um, something that came out of positive psychology is, is this idea of coaching, which takes a lot of the elements of some, well, I should say some elements of therapeutic practice mar marries that with some things from sports psychology and performance psychology. And it, like you said, points toward the future and it looks at what's the payoff at the end. And instead of looking at the rocks that are in the way, if you're navigating the ship, it's looking more at the destination and how you're going to get there. Mm. So mapping your way to success precisely and then creating the small steps that will make that a possibility and then creating accountability so what captivated you about um it, it talks about an ma in comparative religion what does that mean mm -hmm. i don't understand that yeah so it's a it's a master's degree in it, basically you study all six major religions but my emphasis was particularly on the asian tradition so buddhism buddhism Taoism, buddhism. 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 So yeah, buddhism in particular why did why did that one in particular draw your attention? Well, I don't, I had been interested in religion and spirituality from a very early age. I used to wake up when I was really young, like six or seven, and watch these televangelists on TV. Now, granted, there weren't a lot of options when I was growing up at that time <laughs> at 6 a.m., um, but I was really fascinated with these bigger questions of meaningful life, you know, and, and what creates that. And... So I, I undertook a lot of research from a very early age and then kind of started meditating when I was a teenager and then fell into a Buddhist group, Zen Buddhism in particular, um, mostly because I identified with the aesthetic, but also the main teacher there, the Roshi, um, was a very charismatic figure in an understated way, somebody that really seemed to know something about life. And so from about the age of 16 onward, I began practicing there. Mm. And so when, when you talk about meditation, how old were you? 16 when you started? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, That's seen, pretty yeah. advanced because it's hard to sit still when you're 50, much less 16 at <laughs> yeah, to do it, meditating. I don't think it, I, I, whenever you start it, it's, it's challenging in the beginning. Oh yeah. Cause your mind goes off in monkey mind and you know, exactly. before you know it, you're thinking of your grocery list instead of, uh, <laughs> instead of nothing and emptying your mind. Is yeah. that what you feel with, with Buddhism? Like if, if I asked you for each religion, what would be, you know, your one, one clip word to define that religion? Oh, that's so tricky because even in, in academic study, we don't talk about Buddhism as this monolithic thing or Christianity. We, yeah, there's actually a trend of putting an S on it. So it's Buddhisms. Um, so there can be, there can be trends within Buddhism that look very similar to elements of Christianity, right. That are, that are really focused on faith and um, doing good works and things like that. There are other elements that are closer to like 
older strands within Christianity. So Gnosticism, where there's like this idea that you can tap into a mystical reality. So it's really tough to pin down even one particular strand within any religion, because it can mean a lot of different things depending on how you're practicing it. We're speaking with Nick Egan. He's a PhD award-winning leader and executive coach. Going to talk about his book, The Shift, The Art of Transforming Limitations. When we come back, we're going to ask the question, what if that other person wasn't an enemy after all? What if nobody is an enemy? What if the entire world were conspiring to help you, but you just didn't realize it? We'll talk about that and explore that further when we come back on Self Talk Radio Show. Think websites are old-fashioned, out of touch with your core audience? Think again. While your tribe may love you on Instagram, you may be missing out on a whole client base that searches for you on Bing or Google. Then what? WebHelp US built Self Talk Radio Show's website, and I love it. Podcast uploads, open graph tags, SEO stuff, they do it all for me. WebHelp US, they even think of things like backing up my website, checking for viruses and stuff I frankly don't have time for. WebHelp US, professional websites for big picture people. WebHelpUS.com. Welcome back to Self Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer. My guest, Nick Egan, PhD, an award-winning leader, and he is the author of Shift: The Art of Transforming Limitations. And uh, I, I do want to. You, you piqued my interest by saying the Gnostics and and uh, talking about the mystics. There's so much of that that's missing. Um, what were some of those aspects that you found uh, profound? Yeah, I mean, Gnosticism is fascinating. It's kind of having a resurgence, <clears throat> excuse me, as a, as a perspective within Christian thought. And the idea, there are lots of different ways to interpret that, Gnosticism in general. Um, but one of the key components is that there is a way of knowing the divine. Gnosis, right? It actually means like wisdom. Um, to have that, that knowledge, that experience of the divine directly as opposed to kind of I'm standing over here and the divine is over there removed. And the more that you can understand how eminent the divine is within everything, then the closer you are to, to realizing what you truly are, which is divine at your heart. And that's very similar to many, many elements of Buddhism, which Buddhism talks in some ways about, um, no self and emptiness and things like that. But what, what Buddhism means by no self is that you're empty of any kind of limiting self, right? That what we think of as our, as our identity is actually just a limitation that we've um, projected upon reality and mm. reality is actually infinite. And, and then that goes into the quote from your book. What if that other person wasn't an enemy after all? What if nobody is the enemy and the entire world is actually conspiring to help you. I, I've heard often that there's two philosophies that you can have. Either the world is against you or the world is for you and mm -hmm. you have to make that choice. What's your take on all of that? Yeah, I think it's very helpful. I mean, there was about uh, 20 or 30 years ago, this term pro-noia as opposed to paranoia. So paranoia, the thought that everybody's out to get you and pro-noia, um, the thought that everybody is helping you in some way. Um, and that actually does jive very well with Buddhist tradition in the sense that there's this idea that everyone is at least the invitation 
to carry you through on a spiritual path. And you should actually be grateful for the more challenging, the more difficult people in your life. In fact, there, there are some uh, sutras like scriptures that say you should pray for an enemy. Because if you have an, if you have somebody that's a real enemy, then you're really going to make a lot of spiritual progress because you're going to be able to practice patience and to practice kindness towards somebody that's quite difficult. Well, we're not exactly doing that on social media now, are we? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Social media is its own, its own animal. I would love to hear uh, what what the Buddha himself would say about that. <laughs> well, wouldn't the Buddha say don't get offended? Probably. Probably. Yeah. You know, there's, a, there's a story about it. I, and I, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but um, a story goes that somebody came and insulted the Buddha and the Buddha just smiled. And finally, the guy got so mad. He said, well, why are you why are you smiling? I'm insulting you. And he's the Buddha said, you know, if somebody gives you a gift and you refuse to take it, where does the gift end up? And the guy basically essentially saying, like, I don't I'm I'm not taking your insult. So it just kind of drops on the ground. So that's something that could be practiced was how do you deal with somebody that's being impossible, a, a troll on social media, using these practices that uh, that we're talking about? Yeah, that's, it's really interesting. I mean, I think that to some degree, you, it's not healthy to endure abuse. So if somebody's just hurling abuse for, you know, who, who knows why. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's perfectly fine to block or remove them as a connection. Um, but if you want to, if you want to use this as an opportunity to practice some of this, some of these techniques, then you could read it and don't ignore it and just sit with it and notice those feelings as they arise, those feelings of anger and frustration. And then the beautiful thing about feelings is they never last forever. And so if you stay with that feeling of anger or frustration, it naturally will give way to something else. And the lesson there is that, you know, our feelings are temporary. And instead of being driven by them, we can very much um, allow them to flow through us in a way that's quite beautiful. Yeah, you talk about um, why should in your book, you you talk about moving with your opponents instead of against them. What do Mm -hmm. you mean by that? Yeah, as a when I was growing up, I did a lot of martial arts, actually, even into young adulthood. And one of the most magical things that I saw some of the advanced teachers that I studied with do would be to like drop somebody seemingly effortlessly. Right. Which was very different than the rest of us who were at more of an intermediate level. And we would try to meet force with force and really struggle and sweat it out. Um, But these guys at the higher level, they would stay connected and stay aware to such a degree that little subtle shifts in their physical anatomy would change the other person's stance and their balance. And so the idea that we need to meet these challenges with force and kind of muscle through them and power through them, I think it's, it's just so tiring, you know, and, and martial arts offers and Buddhism in general offers a great alternative to that, which is stay connected to the challenge, to whatever's happening. And eventually there's going to be some kind of opening for you to move through that. You were saying earlier, don't tolerate abuse, mm-hmm. but also, you know, kind of laugh at your enemy or, or work with your enemy or, or step back and be the observer mm-hmm. and say, OK, what is this? What is this person coming in to teach me? You know, as mm-hmm. much as they drive me nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the lesson here? How do you know? How do you make that leap from this person is toxic to this person's a teacher? Yeah, I I would say that comes, it's less located in the other person than it is in the the person that wants to try to practice some of this. So if you're, I think you need to do some deep 
examination around that. If somebody is, if there's this repeated situation of abuse or of difficulty over a period of time, then of course, you know, and you're not able to, to become free of that and it becomes psychologically damaging, then certainly you should, you know, cut your losses and get out as much as possible. But if it's something where you find yourself slowly, um, able to work with this person or able to, you can shift the situation, then I would recommend staying with it a bit longer to see what can become of it. When do you know when to stick with something or let it go? My guest is Dr. Nick Egan, the author of Shift. When we come back, we'll ask those questions and also find out the chapter that challenged Nick the most on Self Talk Radio Show. Need to stop bad habits, start positive change, and sleep like a baby? Check out meditations free at sleepmeditation.org. You also mentioned in your book, um, and I, I wanted to shift here, the difference between your story and your truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what, is, what do you mean by that? Yeah, most of what we experience in the world is our narrative about it. Right. So we experience something, even very, a very simple thing like a meal, and we'll have feelings about it. So either we like it, we don't like it, or we're sort of indifferent about it. And that we, we take that as a kind of truth, capital T, like this meal is bad or this meal is good. And we locate that story within the meal itself when in actuality, somebody else could easily enjoy a meal that we didn't enjoy or vice versa. And so recognizing that the stories that we project onto the world actually come from us instead of the other way around is incredibly empowering because what that does is it allows us to, to take ownership of it, of the stories and be able to change them. If we would like to, we don't always need to, or want to, but that possibility is there. That power is there. Do you ever find it a moment where someone's giving away their power by relying on a story that if they shifted oh. the story it would change? All, all the time, Sarah, that is I, my, my day job is as an executive coach and a business coach. And I would say that probably 80% of the time that is what we're working on. And it's so what? hard to do. It's so hard to do on your own. I think in, in the early stages, if you're not used to doing some of this work. And so it's really helpful to have a coach there to be able to reflect those patterns to you and say, you know, is this, is this the choice that you want to make about this particular situation? Could there be another invitation to a different kind of story that might give you a different kind of power? Can you give me an example of someone who's come to you and said, look, I've pulled all these levers and nothing's working. I'm just hitting a wall. I don't know how to move forward. Do you, do you have a story like that where they, they got around the story and they got to the truth? Yeah. Although I won't say, I mean, getting to the truth, that's another, that's another matter. I mean, it, it really does seem to be layers of stories upon layers of stories upon layers of stories. Now that's not to say that there isn't, you know, truth, capital T, but for most of the time, it really is just a shift in story. And I'll give you an example, actually, from my own life early on. I was in an undergrad, actually, and there was a, a person that I was studying with. We were in a, psycholo- a cohort together as we moved through the psychology program. And this guy was, he was always so eager to interject his 
um, opinion about whatever it was we were studying. And he, he had been studying Buddhism too, and, and kind of Eastern spiritual tradition. So it, it had that flavor to it. And he was always trying to connect it to these things. And because I was also studying similar things, I just found it so irksome, you know, whether he was right or wrong, I was like, Oh, this guy, you know, when's he going to be quiet? Um, and then after a few weeks of this, I decided like, look, I'm sitting on the meditation cushion doing this meditation and practicing compassion and all of that. I should actually try to apply this like in my daily life. And so what I did was I shifted my perspective around it. And every time he did these things that were starting to bother me, I started to go into a little bit of my meditation practice. Um, the interesting thing was it was very quick after like a week of doing this, he radically transformed, at least from my perspective. And he wasn't quite as eager to do these things. And we ended up becoming friends through the cohort. Now, I want to, I always give a caveat when I say that story, when I tell that story, um, if you go into it, I think hoping that you're going to change another person's behavior, that's probably not the best no. motivation and, and it might end up blowing up in your face. But if you go into it from a, uh, more positive intention, more pure intention, then very often that does happen, you know, whether we want it to or not. So it's a, it's fascinating the way it works. What uh, propelled you to write shift? Mm. Well, it's funny for a few years, I was trying to write a book essentially about Buddhist understandings of kind of prosperity and success and that, and that kind of thing. And then finally I gave myself permission to not write a Buddhist book and just talk about, you know, positive psychology and inform it with some of my philosophical understanding and practice. Um, but it's such a powerful, uh, a powerful gift to understand that actually much of our experience of the world is this story. And that story is in our own hands. And once you realize that it can be, for some people it can be terrifying, but usually it's, it's so empowering because that gives us the opportunity to be able to change our life circumstances. And without that as the foundation, I think that, um, it's very easy to just become a victim of our own lives. And so my motivation at its heart was to try to empower people as much as possible. What blocks people from success? Oh, that's a good question. I think for everybody it's different, but for the most part it's habits um, and it's attachment to patterns that got them to where they are in the first place. It's like that, you know, that old saying, it's like what got you here won't get you to the next step. Um, because it's so hard to see that the thing that we've done that has been working to get to the next level isn't going to work. And what that, what we have to have to do that is a certain amount of confidence or even faith that things have the potential at least to work out. But what often happens is people just dig the hole deeper and deeper and deeper and continue to apply the same strategies to new problems and kind of stall out. So where does it, where do you get to the point of grit sticking with something, no matter what, don't give up mm -hmm. and it's time to let it go. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, one of my absolute favorite business authors is, uh, Seth Godin, and he has a great little book. I think it's only 70 pages called The Dip. And essentially, he's saying, like, look, everybody is going to hit a dip in whatever they're practicing, you know, their, their, whatever their chosen occupation is. And in order to have true success, you have to get through the dip. And on the other side of it, there's essentially greatness. But if you don't want to go through the dip or if it's not worth it for you, you need to recognize that as soon as possible and quit sooner 
So he is, his theory is essentially like quit as fast as possible, uh, but quit smart. And I think many people understand that as different than grit, which is like, I'm going to stick to this no matter what and move forward. So I think you have to have an element of grit after there's been an intelligent thought process behind it in terms of where you want to go and how you think you're going to get there. What was the chapter in your book that challenged you the most? Mm. Wow. That's, uh, I think the, I think the chapter that I was most, I don't know if it challenged me the most, but I think it's the one that I need most needed for myself. And it was the chapter on, um, the 80, 20 rule and talking about essentialism and how this notion that, you know, 20% of what we do in any situation creates 80% of the effect. And I think that that's something that really resonates with me, but is also challenging for me to actually put into practice. Mm, yeah, it's hard for all of us to figure that out sometimes. You know, yeah. and, and a lot of times we spend 80% of our time, you know, 20% of our time with 80% of things that really don't matter. And, exactly. you know, it's, it's separating the wheat from the chaff, definitely. Now, what kind of clients do you like to work with? Oh, I work with... Uh, a wide range of clients. Um, I have a few clients that are executives in the tech industry. I'm, I'm up in Northern California. Um, so that's sort of my backyard. Uh, and then I really love working with business owners, small business owners that are looking to, that have had a level of success, but want to really jump up their revenue while also reclaiming some of their time. And then I would say about 30% of my clients these days, for whatever reason this year, it's been, um, career coaching. And people, executives that want to get from, you know, a, a director level to a VP level or SVP or something like that. Um, and so I, I really enjoy working with them as well. I, I really, if I had to boil it down, I wouldn't look at industry. I would look more at mindset. I love to work with people that have already experienced a certain level of success and are eager to get to the next level and are willing to put in the hard work of the introspection to get there. The book is Shift, The Art of Transforming Limitations. Nick Egan has been my guest. Fascinating. Thank you so much for being on the show, Nick. Thank you, sir. It's been great. And how do we learn more about you and get the book and, and all that? You can check out the book on Amazon or you can go directly to my website, which is nickeganphd.com. Fantastic. And we'll also have the link on Self Talk Radio Show as well. Nick, thanks so much for being on. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I'm Sarah Spencer for Self Talk Radio Show. If you're a fan of Self Talk Radio Show, head out to our Facebook page, take a picture of yourself listening to the show, and you could win yourself a $25 gift card courtesy of Pure Energy Apothecary or one of our guests or sponsors. Thank you so much for listening to Self Talk Radio Show, Mind Changing Radio, where you can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course at selftalkradioshow.com.